Welcome to the Leading Ladies Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Fernandez, and I'm here to talk about all things leadership. I know being a woman leader feels more complicated than ever, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing advice from my own experiences so that you can level up every aspect of your life. No topic is off limits as we explore what it means to live with confidence in your purpose and calling, from what it means to be a bold woman in every sphere of influence to how to balance your work and personal life and everything in between. So whether you lead a church, a business, a team, or are the CEO of your own home, join us for authentic conversations, inspiring stories, and the tools and strategies that will equip you to become the leading lady of your own life. Welcome back to today's show. I'm joined by my wonderful friend, Elizabeth Terpstra, and I was thinking about it, and I think we've probably known each other for more than 15 years, something like that. Um, but she's an incredible woman of God. She's also an incredible, um, just powerhouse woman in both the theological realm and in corporate sales. So she actually has a master's in theological studies from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. She's currently been working in enterprise software sales for 12 years and is in the data space, which is basically selling data to enterprise level customers. Some of you will know what that means. I don't. Um, she got married later in life like me at the age of 32 and recently moved to Phoenix. And some of you actually might even ha- have heard or want to check out her podcast called It Matters, a really awesome show about really super relevant um, Christian topics. How would you describe what you guys did on that show since you're here? Yeah. Well, hi, everyone. It's good to see you. Uh, so, yeah, that that podcast, the whole point was really to get people to open up the Word of God and really read what it says about certain topics instead of relying on popular figures and popular teachings uh, about the Bible. So we just wanted people to have a clear picture of what God actually thinks. The topics that we chose often were spicy, for sure, because um, we really we really tried to stay in touch with what culture was talking about and what church culture was talking about so that inevitably led to some some spicy convos for sure yeah I know you guys touched on like abortion you touched on singleness in the church you touched on you know offense like all kinds of things that oh gay marriage um new age progressive Christianity anti-racism I mean everything everything and it was all Bible. well this is my first question for you too because of like that show I'm curious like obviously you have this like very intense corporate career in sales and then you have this like hidden passion side hustle for like theology things how do you explain these two very different like because most people would be like Elizabeth why aren't you a pastor or Elizabeth like why do you work in sales like I think I'm curious why you have delved so much to the point of getting your master's in theology, but yet aren't like seeking full-time vocational ministry as it would seem. Yeah. These are really good questions that I get asked all the time. And I wish, I wish in my career, like people will ask me about what I'm getting my degree in. And I'm, I want to just be like, I'm getting my MBA just, just because it will like stop the confusion because it is, it's such a debacle. For everybody and at, you know in grad school it's the same they do and and at grad school at grad school it was the same thing they'd be like you're doing what like what you, like what and so so it's it's definitely very real and I think the reason these things coincided is I mean my career happened frankly all on accident initially it's not something I set out to do I work with and know so many amazing women that 
from a young age or even from college and on, they had a vision and they had a plan and they were a business major and they like knew what they wanted and a career was part of their life goal. And I wasn't one of those women. It, it happened on accident. I mean, really. And a wonderful, you know, obviously now I would see it as a blessing and a gift from the Lord. But so that happened. And then I became a Christian, you know, years later, got serious about my faith years later. And, you know, when you've been in sales for that long to, to just quit and go do something else would be like a total lifestyle overhaul. So I, and I, I couldn't have afforded to go to grad school if I didn't have my career. So I knew I wanted to study the Bible as, as much as I could. I knew I wanted to know as much as I can about it while I had time to do it while I wasn't married, while I didn't have children. But I also knew that I couldn't let go of my career. So I existed in both worlds for like five years because that's how long it took me to finish my degree. It was a two-year program that took me five years because I had my career, I was running my podcast, I like moved, I got married. I mean, it was insane. I don't, re- ten of, like 10 out of 10 do not recommend. I think that, yeah. you know, having seen you through a few different seasons of your life, because I was trying to think when before we met, I was like, when did I first meet you? I think you were maybe like 18 or 17 Something like that. I was 17. Is that right? And I was like, I think I was, yeah, maybe 20, 21 or something like that. But yeah, I was like, gosh, like. Yeah, you would have been 20. Okay. And I was like, I've seen you through so many seasons just from like teen to like college age to like early 20s to like Mm now 30s. So I've sort of seen your story from like the side and I feel like I've kind of popped in at interesting moments like where like, you know, I stayed with you in LA, like in one really different season than when I like stayed at your house in Wheaton with your family. (laughs) And like, so I've had these like little snapshots throughout your story, but I am curious, like, cause I, I just for myself, like what has your kind of journey been like from, you know, you said you became a Christian later in life, but what's interesting is I know you grew up in a Christian home. Like I know your sisters are one of my really good friends. Like, so you had a pretty radical encounter with God that was like, much later even though you grew up in the church grew up with Christian family and I think this is not something that's talked enough about of like you just because you grew up going to Christian school going to Christian church with your family like all these things doesn't mean you actually know God and so I'm curious what was the genesis of that yeah it's funny that you said genesis we'll we'll talk about genesis Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and and the the thing that no one wants to say is that just because you think you're a Christian doesn't mean that you are yeah so I I thought that I was I I said that I was um I I did grow up in a Christian home and my my family is like legacies of Christian academia and wonderful family I knew all the stories I knew all the words but as as I like to say it like I knew all the words but I couldn't hear the music Mm. you know what I mean yeah and so I And I think, I mean, a lot of that was, you know, maybe due to my temperament. My Calvinist theology informs a lot of what I think, which I'm not going to get into here today. But I also think that I was traumatized by Christian men and men in Christian leadership early. Not in my family. It was all outside my family. But I think that all of that pain kind of stayed unresolved in me and it just swirled around and 
kind of stalled my maturity in many ways and also it just left me seeking comfort and validation in those feelings instead of seeking truth Hmm. and I think that that's something that that we, we I mean wanting to be seen and understood in our pain is it's in it's in our bio I mean that's how we were created yeah. and that's and that that's what Jesus does for us right he lived it he he sees and understands us in our pain I I just couldn't get my head around that I think a lot of because of like the language that the church uses I just don't think they are nailing it at speaking into what women are going through and I love the church so much but I mean I there is room for us to always be growing and so because of I I was so emotionally driven and I was in so much pain I just I was just very very self-consumed and feelings consumed for many years which led me really towards progressive Christianity it led me to just adopt a faith that fit into what I wanted and into what culture was celebrating and fit into what made me feel comfortable instead of what was true and that really like when did you realize like oh I don't think I actually know God like (laughs) I don't think I'm actually a Christian I I what's interesting is I didn't realize that until after I did know him and then I was like oh I don't think I ever did before because when I when I went seeking him which I I did I went eventually it all caught up to me and my life spiraled out of control and I was like, okay, I have to figure out like what is true because I, I just think I'm like swirling all over the place and I don't actually know what's going on. And so anyways, led me to scripture and I met God in the book of Genesis in a way that I never had because I felt seen in my pain when Satan deceived Eve. Will you and talk about that a little bit? God handled that. Well, that story, like what happened to you and what, why you felt seen? Yeah. Well, I, I had had, due to what I dealt with when I was younger, I had a number of emotionally and sexually abusive relationships in my twenties. And a lot of that was marked by manipulation and deceit as abuse often is. Were they dating relationships? So I found my... Or, like, was this an... Yes. Dating relationships. Yeah, dating relationships. And I was engaged as well to someone that was, you know, probably just... If you think of, like, the end of a fireworks show, I mean, that's... that. It was, like, <laughs> just the, the climax of all my terrible decisions was, like, this engagement <laughs> to this person. And it was crazy. And and so that led me to, to think, like, okay, I, I don't... I don't actually know how to navigate life. Like I am making terrible choices and I'm being deceived left and right. And I actually don't have a sense of like how to know what's true and how to know what's real and how to like follow a path that's going to like lead me anywhere good. And so I, in reading, and so I, I, anyway, I went to a monastery and I spent the weekend with some monks and I. Like actual <laughs> real monks? Genesis. Yes. Do you not know this story? I don't think I knew the monks were involved. I know about the turnaround. The monks were, the monks were a lot of it. Was it silent? Because they have, yes, because their vows of silence start at 6 p.m. 
Oh my. So I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have anything to do. And I was the only woman there and that no one wanted to talk to me. And so I read the Bible because I just was like in this monastery library and I didn't have anything else to do. So I was like, I'll just start from the beginning. Like I can't remember the last time I read the Bible. And I, so I'm reading Genesis and, and the scene that plays out in Genesis 3 with the fall of man, I mean, it just the, the human psychology dynamics in like that whole encounter between Adam and Eve and Eve and the serpent and Adam and the serpent and God and Adam and Eve and God and I mean the whole thing I, I just I knew that story inside and out since I was a child but then I had lived I'm like I have lived this like this has to be true because this this is too correct like the way that they blame each other and the way that the, the serpent deceived Eve and the way that God responded I mean all of it was I was like this is just too this is too spot on like this ha this has to be true and i don't think that i knew how much my unbelief you know how great my unbelief was that i mean at 27 i was like wait shoot the bible knows like that was the first time that i realized that and i thought maybe god actually does know what i went through and maybe he understands the pain that i have been in and maybe he's on my side maybe he is angry at what's been done to me in these relationships and I'm not a victim. We worked through in therapy, my part in all of it. But in that moment, the level of pain I was in, I needed to feel like God saw my side and that he cared and that he understood. And I, it was like all of a sudden, it like something changed. And I didn't, I didn't know that some, I mean, I knew, I felt different and I felt like I'd had a revelation, but I didn't realize like, I think I just like, actually became a Christian for the first time. I didn't realize that until like several months later. But over the next several months, I mean, I turned into a completely different person. The Holy Spirit invaded my brain like an alien invasion. And it was absolutely wild. Um, Explain what that was like. Realize. Like what, what do you mean by that? It was a train wreck. I mean, it was it was insane. I had been one person for all those years and then all of a sudden I wasn't. Hmm. And not only not only was I not who I was, but now I was a person that the world very much hated. And I was a person that the me a year ago would have very much hated, right? Hmm. And so yeah. to live in both brains and to remember what it was like to be in the other brain, it, I mean it was it was why it was wild and it was scary. But then it was also like amazing. So it was like devastatingly amazing is how I would describe it. But yeah, it was confusing. It was like confusing. your your floor up. was being ripped out of your house as a new floor yes. was going in. And you're like, yes. but I'm still here with all of the things. But I'm still here. And I remember this one day. So I became a Christian in January of 2017. I woke up in September of 2017 and I was like I don't even recognize my own thoughts like I who how, who am I like this is a new person and that just only affirmed more of how true the scripture is because you read Paul's letters about what that conversion experience is like and I'm like how are we having the same experience you read Rosaria Butterfield's story of her testimony of becoming a Christian you know all these people that have had this experience it's all the same and so it just, I mean, it just strengthened my belief even more. Well, and it's interesting too, like when you think about like the, the old man going away and a new man 
coming, you know, being born like that scripture. And it's like, you might've heard that a thousand times, but then when you have a lived experience of that, it's completely different. I, I will tell this story and then we can move on. My first, so yeah, January is when this happened. And then, so then Good Friday and Easter roll around and Good Friday, I'm like, I just, I feel so sad for some reason. And I'm like, what is this? Is, like, what's going on with me? Like, I'm so sad. I've lived through a billion Good Fridays. I've been to a thousand Good Friday services in my life. And I'm like, maybe I need to go to the gym. Like, maybe I, like, maybe I'll, like, go to the, get on the treadmill, like, listen to some worship music. <laughs> I'm on the treadmill at the gym, and, like, Amazing Grace comes on, and <laughs> I'm, like, sobbing on the treadmill, like, it is Amazing Grace. Like, <laughs> it's like I'd never heard the song before. And I'm, like, weeping about the cross. And I'm, like, what have I become? Like, I have literally never had these feelings yeah. in my whole life. Like, the first time I felt conviction, I was, like, am I having a stroke? Like, it was, <laughs> it's, yeah, I could hear the words. I knew the words, but I couldn't hear the music. That's the best way to describe it. So paint a picture of like what that era of your life was like. Like were you in LA at that time or were you back in Chicago? Like you're like working this corporate job. You're like, you know, living this one lifestyle of being a 20 something. Were you going out to bars? Like what was your life like before? And then what started to like happen after that? Like what changed? I was living, I was living in Chicago at this point. I had left LA for that relationship Mm -hmm. and didn't work out. I moved back home to Chicago where I'm from and I moved into downtown Chicago with a a group of girls I moved I moved in with four girls and and thankfully like I said I would have considered myself a a Christian so I was still trafficking with like friends I had from high school and like Christian people that I knew that had put me in touch with these girls and so what was wild is one of my best friends now who was in my wedding she was living with me at the time and she had just gone through the same thing six months before oh wow so I look back and I'm like oh my gosh if I hadn't had her like I would have been probably really more confused yeah (laughs) than I was and she's like this is normal she's like no same she's why do you think I've been in my room for the last reading for the last six months because that's like all I was doing like every day I didn't watch tv for like a year because I was just reading um, and studying and like obsessing for you know all those months and so my my living situation was all God my career was like pretty much uh, the same um, mm-hmm. except you know I wasn't talking about my faith like just like at the office no you yeah know? so it's not like people knew what I was going through mm-hmm. um, were you in church or in terms of, were you attending a no, church I no I I had kind of like on and off gone gone to this like progressive church. Okay. And it was like within those few months that I realized like I can't go to this church anymore. Hmm. So I, yeah, so I figured out the church situation. But I think the thing that was really radical is just I would be like in the middle of making a decision and I'd be like, oh, wait, I can't, wait, I can't do this anymore. Like, oh, this guy wants to sleep over like, Oh, that's right. I don't do that anymore. Like it was like because it was just like all, like all of a sudden, or like I went out and like got wasted and like was dancing all night, and the next day someone was like, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, oh, oh you're right. You're right. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Oh, like yeah. Like, you just all of a sudden like all these decisions are like how I treated people or like how I would handle certain situations and like 
I ran into this guy at the gym, I don't know, six or seven months later that I, like, used to hook up with. And he, like, came up and tapped me on the shoulder and was like, Elizabeth. And I was like, Ugh. like, it was like I just was confronted with, like, I was like, oh, I feel, like, ill, like, in this moment. It's just, I felt so far away from that version. From like, that version. like, it was your old self, yeah. like, was coming back. And yes, it was, yes. Yes. And it was so anyway, there there were definitely so many stories and moments that I could talk about for so long. But no, it was it was wonderful and crazy. I think that this is like an important like story to tell and not one that I hear often because I think the idea of like a church girl that goes to the big city for lack of a better term that has this corporate career, doesn't really fit in the stay-at-home mom church circles, starts, you know, maybe drifting in their faith or maybe realize don't they don't have a faith. They aren't anchored to, they have no faith. And I think a lot of parents are like, what happened to my kids? They moved away. Now in their 20s and 30s, they're all deconstructed. They don't believe in God. They didn't marry a Christian. Yeah. You know, they've been living with their their boyfriend or girlfriend for all these years. It's like, how did that happen? And it's like, because unless you have a personal revelation with God through the Holy Spirit like it does you aren't saved and I think it's so easy to like assume that because you tick that box culturally of going to church on Sunday or whatever like oh you're good but like your 90% of your life isn't about laying your life down it's about living your own way and I think that it's yeah. an interest like what I think is so cool about your story is how I mean it did take courage to to literally repent which means to turn right? Like to literally do a giant 180 in your life and be like, I'm going to actually turn around from the direction I'm going and go a different yeah. way and like eliminate mm -hmm. probably some friendships, some relational things you had to cut off, like yeah. some lifestyle choices, some mindsets, thought processes, beliefs. Oh yeah. And I think right. that was, I sort of intersected with you back because I, I kind of, the snapshots I had of you was like when you were, I don't know how old you were, but I, I remember when I was in LA, it was probably 2014, maybe 13. So, yeah, I was like peak, I was like peak mess. Yeah. And I stayed at your apartment with you and your boyfriend and I was like, what's going on with Elizabeth? Like yeah. what's happened? Cause I knew you as a 17 year old and I'm like, why are we, why are we living with our, like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. and I didn't say anything, okay. but I was in your apartment and I prayed, I prayed for you guys. Like I prayed, I was like, I pray they come to know the Lord. Like, I think I slept on your couch or on the floor and I was like, remember praying for you and being like, God, I just encounter her. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, and then to like intersect with you. And then I think it was at a friend's wedding. I found out you were engaged to the guy that you obviously had that huge mm -hmm. mess with. And I was going through my own pain of yeah. being single. And I was like, <laughs> it's like my little sister got engaged now too. Like everyone's getting married. And I was feeling so like sad that I wasn't engaged and you were engaged. I that so well. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't, I don't think I told you this till later, but I was I like, I was like, oh, like this is just so hard, God. Like what is the deal? And then, um, and then when you, your engagement broke off, I was one really sad for you. But then when I found out the backstory of what was going on and I saw the subsequent life altering trajectory change, I was like, oh my gosh, like God has just done a huge work in her life. And so I, it's been so cool too, that even like now through your, you know, the guy you married, the amazing guy, Matt, you know, like getting to watch you walk through being yeah. saved and single for a few years there that you're like, I don't know if I'll get married. I don't know when that will happen. And so I'm curious if you could just talk a little bit about like 
what is it what was it like once you became saved and you were a single Christian woman living in your 30s and now not sleeping around now now you're having an about face right like you're not just hooking up with guys you're like oh I want to find my guy I want to do things God's way like what was that like for you <laughs> well, yeah, it was a circus. Um, was it hard, though, because you went from being able to kind of have any relationship in a sense be and be fine with it to be like, no, I, I'm like being selective now. I'm looking for something very specific. Oh, it was it was a complete shift in how I thought about dating, because before the guy I got engaged to, like, before him, I hadn't really thought about, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to get married someday, but it wasn't, like, consuming, um, but then once I was abstinent, <laughs> it became more consuming that, <laughs> like, I gotta figure out how to get married, because this is a problem, this is a big problem for me, yeah, so I, <laughs> well, and, you know, I was engaged, and I was ready to be married, and then all of a sudden, I was alone, and so, I knew, like, marriage became more important to me, like, through that process, too. But then once I was as serious as I was about my faith, um, then marriage just became so important. And my reasons for dating really changed. And my ability to date casually was pretty much eliminated because you just, like, I tried. I I remember I, I went through a phase of, like, well, I'll just, like, go out with non-Christian guys for fun. And, like, that just – that doesn't ever work out because they'll want something that you can't give them either way. They're either going to want a relationship or sex or both. Yeah. And I was, like, neither. I just, like, want to hang out because yeah. I'm lonely. Yeah. <laughs> and that you – know, so I, I quickly learned that that was really – self. I mean, really selfish of me to try to do. And so then – so then I realized I have to just, like – get over my need for attention and get over like this feeling of loneliness that I have and I have to figure out how to just live in in this like silence and I think people who are listening who like know about like this that silence of singleness where it's just like like so freaking quiet all the time when mm-hmm. you're home and in the mornings and just the, the like deafening like I am alone in the world and like yeah <laughs> that I I had to just adjust to that but it was Gosh, those years of feeling that loneliness, I mean, waking up with no prospects on my 30th birthday, like, all of that was so sanctifying. And, like, that's not just – I'm not just saying that now that I'm happily married. Like, I knew it at the time. Like, at the time, I was like, this is – this is so important. Like, and the intimacy that I have with God and, like, his kindness to me. And, and, like, I think what I realized for my specific story was, like – the fact that loneliness is my biggest problem is God's mercy to me because the road that I was walking and the road that I wanted and pursued like would have led me to places much worse than being lonely single in Chicago. Yeah. Like, and so I, I think it was his protection. I felt that all the time. Yeah. Not that I felt that all the time. Not that I wasn't frustrated and angry and sad and disappointed a lot because it, it did take what felt like so many years to, meet my husband and to have it work out with my husband we had kind of like a dramatic story so that was all I had all those feelings and I wrestled with them but like 
but God, I mean, he was just so in it. And, and I felt like, I mean, I got to observe just how absolutely ridiculous it is to be single in, in the church after a certain age as a woman, being single on a seminary trip to Israel as a woman. I mean, just, I, I feel like I have so much material now <laughs> for for teaching and mentoring women and trying to work within the church to grow the church. Uh, I'm so glad that it that it happened. What did, like, I am curious, what did you see kind of as an outsider returning to church now, but now in your 30s, unmarried and celibate, like, you're, and you're like, what was your, yeah, like, what was your uh, observation for people who lead churches or are in ministry? Like, what was your experience coming back to church? Well, what was really crazy, I don't tell this story often, but I, the first church I went to, I my roommate, who I love and adore, she brought me to this wonderful, really conservative, historic church in Chicago. And, I mean, I felt, totally fell in love with it. Um, gosh, I started going there in, like, I don't know, May or June. And, and by July, August, I was already meeting with the elders about, like, a sexual harassment problem with oh, the pastor there. Oh, wow. So... It was like day day one, day one, like we're in the thick of it with sin and pain against women in the church. But what was so wonderful about that was, first of all, these elders and these, you know, old men in this church, they believed me. They launched an investigation. I wasn't the only one. They fired him. They took care of me. But second of all, like it didn't, it didn't rock me. It, it, I had... I had worked through all, like, I had spent those months alone with God, like, settling up the pain and settling up the church hurt and settling up my beliefs to align with him. That By the time that happened, like, I was so solid that it didn't, it didn't change anything. It didn't send you to um, orbit. And so that's just, like, I think an interesting, no, not, not at all. Um, and so my experiences in the church were definitely difficult, um, and then, of course, that's like an extreme example, but of course there are the examples of just people saying crazy stuff to you about, like, don't you want a husband? And aren't you worried you're going to grow old and no one will be there to take care of oh, you? Oh, what did you say about the car keys thing? Dying every day and, like, talk oh, about that. <laughs> they, they would, they, people at church, gosh, and it was like often when, like women and older women in church would, or, or, or even women who met their husbands at 21 or 22 typically are the ones that would ask me these questions and they'd be like, well, what about, what about match? Or like, what about eHarmony? Or like, what about Bumble? Or like, what about, what about in a small group? Or what about like at Young Life? Or like, really? Like, how, how could it, how could it not, how could you not meet anyone in any of those places? And I'm like, you can't just like list place. Like, it, it felt like, I was saying, like, I lost my keys, and they were like, okay, well, check under your dresser and your pocket, or what did you wear yesterday? Like, it felt like, and I was like, I, like, I am so aware of every man in my sphere, and I don't know why I am not meeting someone, but, like, I need you to stop asking me questions about, like, how it's possible, because that's my question, and. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, so, yeah, I had, like, extreme examples of like sin and sadness in the church and then I just had like the little examples of feeling weird and feeling like a like a you know a 
sock that lost its match in the dryer. And, yeah. You know, those things. <laughs> but it seems like that didn't put you down a deconstructive path when it maybe could have. And it sounds like it was that solitude and that silence you had on your own with God before reentering. Well, I had already deconstructed. Hmm. I deconstructed before they called it that. It was cool. I was deconstructing. <laughs> I deconstructed before, like, Jen Hatmaker, you know, renounced the gospel years before I mean I started deconstructing in 2010 and I deconstructed until 2017 and and I fell into that and I fell into like well why why is same-sex attraction is same-sex relationships are are not sin and like headship is evil and you know whatever whatever you can think of I I I fell into all of that and I I realized in my dismantling of that you know on my bedroom floor for all those months like I I was merely wanting to make God into someone that I would agree with Mm, that's good and that is that's not a relationship first of all and second of all like just because like I want God to be a certain way doesn't change who he is and just because I believe that he's different than he is doesn't make that true Mm. and I also realized like the fruit and the freedom of knowing God for who he is and the things that felt restricting and the things that felt like boundaries and the the worldviews and the beliefs that felt scary and bad to me suddenly became like my dying breath. It was like I, I can't live any other way now because I have like felt the presence of God and this is holiness and this is goodness and like anything that would arbitrarily make me feel comfortable and like whatever earthly sense people are seeking comfort is is only going to kill me in the end and I feel like I'm just going very deep here but I I'm not even I'm not even I mean I'm not even tempted to go that way because I lived in that brain for so long I remember what it felt like I remember how I see the world and now I know why I saw it that way and now Mm. I see it God's way hmm I want to go in a little bit of a different direction from that because it's making me think about people who maybe right now are feeling like their faith is deconstructing because they are really mad at how they've seen the church handle situations or they are disillusioned or they are Mm -hmm. discouraged with their dating situation. They've been pure and faithful for 15, 20, 30 years and they still haven't met their person. They feel that God has abandoned them and they're like... Mm -hmm. Or they've gone through a trauma where it's like, that was it. That was the thing that broke my trust in you, God. I'm never giving my trust again. I'm curious for that that person, what do you think the road back is for them? Or what is the, some hope you could speak into that situation? Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot that I could say about this. And there's nothing that I love more and nothing that lights up my brain more than meeting with women who are in that place. Because... I was in that place for so long and I remember it very well. Um, I think that what I would say about all of those scenarios, like literally anything that you could name, the bottom line of all of that is unbelief. Hmm. And so for me, I was in pain I had church hurt I mean I had been abused and blamed for it by pastors right like 
this all that that the kind of stuff that like drive women straight into the arms of the progressive movement like to get away from those feelings like I had I had been through it I'd walked in it for years like repeatedly um but it wasn't the pain mm-hmm. that led me away from God it was that I I hadn't made up my mind about whether or not I believed that God is who he says he is hmm. I hadn't decided that that was true okay and and when I met God and I decided to believe him, that I mean that was the that was the first step to working out all of that pain. And that's what led to where I am right now. But until you are able to make that call, until you're able to say, like, I believe that God is who he says he is. And if God is who he says he is, then that means everything. Then that means everything. Yeah. And if he's not, then that also means everything, but in a different way. Yeah. Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then that's everything. And and if that's the case, what I had to come to in those years of singleness, so right, I made my decision. I w- was walking with the Lord. I wasn't getting everything I wanted by any means and didn't think I ever would. I had to ask myself, is God enough? Hmm. Is 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 he is the gospel good news yeah is is the gospel good news or do i need the gospel plus something else Hmm. do i need the gospel plus a husband is is the news that i that my sin is forgiven that i don't have to do anything to earn that is that um is that enough for me yeah is that is that because I think what a lot of people talk about is fairness. And Beckett Cook says this. Beckett Cook is a gay man who t- repented, had a similar experience to me. His story is great. We had him on the podcast. Yes. People will say to him, like, isn't, isn't it unfair that you can't love, that you can't have this, that you can't have this companionship, this intimacy that we're so wired for that everyone wants isn't that unfair and he'll say what is not fair is that my sin is paid for that like I am redeemed that I am like a a sinner fallen from grace that I and I get to know the Lord and have eternal life with him and be free from the bondage of my sin like that is so deeply unfair Hmm. and so I guess like and of course, this isn't what I, if I were sitting down to coffee with someone listening, I wouldn't be like, well, let me tell you about fairness. Like, no, let's talk about the crap that you've been through. And like, let's talk about how awful that is. And like, let's get you a therapist and let's, you know, have wine every week and, you know, deal with it, of course. But in terms of like, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is unbelief. And the bottom line is that we don't see ourselves accurately. Like, we don't see the disparity between us and God correctly. We don't see the reality that the wages of sin is death. And we don't see the reality that the gospel is good news, period. The gospel is the best news. And it's all that we need and it's enough. And until you're in a position where even when you are weeping on the floor from loss and trauma, you can say, the gospel is good enough news for me. Like, I will persist because I believe that God is who he says he is and the gospel is good news. Then you're going to get wrecked 
like a ship in a storm with everything that happens. And that's the premise of the podcast that we did is that your feelings are going to be everywhere. But like, what? how do you love God with all your mind? What do you know is true? And how is that going to anchor you? This has turned into a sermon, but... I love this. <laughs> I you think... can edit this down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's... And now I'm going to ask you a question in a different direction because I think that, you know, obviously you have a passion for, like... <laughs> So why are you selling software? Yeah. So really, like, why do you sell software? And like, like, do you see yourself as a leader in the corporate space? Or like, do you secretly want to be a pastor? Like, I'm like, I'm just curious. Like, and I I asked that like as a joke, because I do think the sacred and the secular need to coexist and people need to be marketplace ministers. Like, I very much think that there are people, you know, but I'm just curious, like, yes, why do you sell software? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't. Okay, for the record, I don't feel this way about data warehousing. Like my gospel, sir. Like I don't. They're not aligned. Like the way I feel about data warehousing is like really small, and the way I feel about everything we're talking about is like really big. So that's a bummer. And I've wished. I'm like, man, if I felt about data warehousing the way I feel about the gospel, like, can you imagine? Like, I would just be running the company by now like that would be crazy I don't feel that way um so yeah it's it's interesting because I I thought for years you know all through seminary I thought okay eventually I'm gonna walk away from this and eventually I'm gonna go like be a women's ministries director I thought I really thought that until like six months ago and so this is a recent shift yeah this is a recent shift And I would just be like, okay, it's going to be a train wreck. I'm going to have to overhaul my entire lifestyle because financially it's going to be like the most dramatic shift ever. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And, and my husband and I were, well, two things. So over the summer I did intern at a church. So for the first time I actually worked in a church, I taught a, taught a, did a teaching series and you know, was like boots on the ground in a church. And I don't know, it was like my first church leadership meeting. I was like, oh, no way. No, no chance. I was like, vocational ministry is out, skis. Like, this is not an option. Like, after so long in the corporate world, like, I can't. no, No way. The ministry vibes are different. And, and also, like, the thing that I love is this. Like, I just want to talk to women, and I just want to, like, preach the gospel. And, like, that's those are, like, the two things I want to do. And if I am in vocational ministry, I'm going to have to do, like, a bunch of other stuff that, that I, you might that not want to do. Yeah. And it's going to take – no. And it's going to take away from it. And, like, this is just what lights up my brain. And it just, like, the, is my – the reason I wake up in the morning. And, like, what if that was my job? Like, then it might ruin it. So I don't want to do that. And so, so then I was like, well, maybe I just like won't work at all and I'll have kids and I'll, you know, just like be among women, just like talking about the Lord and like, just, I'll just, you know, and my husband and I were talking about this, like I married this awesome man who's so supportive and is like, look, if you want to be a stay at home mom that's great but also that's a multi-million dollar decision so like we do have to consider like what like we have to like discuss the options so that was his premise kind of going into it and then I just 
I just kept talking about how like I'm not supposed to have this career like I'm not I wasn't even supposed to have this career like I wasn't even supposed to do this like this was an accident like I I feel like I'm not serving God like because I wasn't supposed to do this in the first place and he was like okay like hang on I love you and I support you if this this is really what Mm -hmm. you want but like that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. and he was like to me God is all over your career like there's no reason you should have the career that you do based on like what your desires are and like where you were when it started and he and he like taught like he was just suddenly so eloquent and was like naming all these times where God's favor was just like on my career and I'm just like getting these opportunities and in these positions without like truly pursuing it not that I'm not hardworking. I mean I literally did door-to-door sales in Compton for six years so it's not like I haven't hustled I have but at the same time like there was also the element of God's just like hand over it in crazy ways and so he was like I like if you want to quit and stay at home like we'll adjust and we'll figure it out no problem well Dave Ramsey the situation yes we can't say (laughs) I know he's like we can't say that like God isn't in your career because like that's just like objectively not true and I was like, you're right. Yeah. And I think there was, there was something so freeing about having a man mm. tell me that my career wasn't bad mm. and telling me that God would, he said, I think, I believe God wants you to be successful in your career and make a lot of money. Mm. Like to have a man tell yeah. me that. I, there was something that I was like, okay, no one has ever said that to me before. Mm. Like, and a man who I theologically like respect like Matt and I are on the same page like Matt and I are conservative Christians I mean we are like Wayne Grudem like by the book like, yeah conservative Christians and so it's not like he's some like hokey like you know John Hatmaker person who's telling <laughs> me this like it's like this is my you know this is like he's yeah a Bible guy yeah and and so I'm like I just I had never thought about it before and so I started thinking about it and I was like well maybe I maybe I can do both and then that, you know, that's where I am now. Yeah, because I think, like, we talked, like, a few months ago, and it's just, like, knowing you want to become a mom. And then you, like, text me, and it's like, mm-hmm. did you think you had to quit everything, too, to, like, become a mom? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, why? I just realized, like, <laughs> yes. why did I think I have yes. to quit everything? Like, I need to quit. I need to start preparing to become a mom now and quit my career. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I thought that, too. I did the same thing. Like, I stepped back out of a bunch of contracts and stuff. Like, I'm yeah. going to prepare yeah. myself to be a mom. And then two years on we're still struggling to conceive and it's like well that was dumb like god didn't tell me to step out of all this stuff i just stepped out of it because i thought i should do that and i don't know why i thought i should do that yeah so i don't know like if that's a cultural thing or if it's a church thing or if it's just what you i mean i my mom worked too so i don't know it wasn't even a family family thing for me but yeah, I mean, I, I don't come from a family of working women. Um, like, I was actually, I was kind of the the only one that that did this, which is why it didn't occur to me to do it. It didn't, it, it just, it didn't occur to me. And I, I don't have a framework, I don't have a framework for it. But a lot of it is just incorrect application of gender in the church. And, and, and for me being... Yeah, and, and I, I just because I 
feel a certain way, you know, as you guys know by now, 48 minutes in doesn't mean I'm going to make a decision based on how I feel. So I was like, well, I need to make sure that the Bible agrees with me about this. And, you know, otherwise I, you know, I will quit everything. If God says I have to quit everything. So I... I started looking into like what is this what is the scripture that that conservative because you and I are in the conservative Christian world right and what's the scripture that they're using to say that women need to like be confined to their home and like barred from having an income when raising children like what is the scripture and there there's not much there are a couple of verses I don't have them prepared now there are a couple of verses um about like man women submitting to men and children submitting to the mothers something like that um i don't remember offhand but there are a few verses that that are used and they're all out of context they're all taken out of context and and used in a way that fits our modern notion of stay-at-home motherhood so i've been reading books on women in the ancient near east i I have a friend i wish she was my friend she's more of a like scholarly mentor to me she, Dr. Ingrid Farrow, she's amazing. She's writing a book about this, but she recommended some books to me about women in the ancient Near East. Like, what were they actually doing in biblical times? What was what was the role of women back then? And so, therefore, in in context, what was the Bible referring to? And our understanding of a modern notion where it's just the mom with the children at home with no help at all, and the man is out. Like, that's new. That's like brand new in the last like 100 years. And that is also Western, very, very Western, that a woman would raise her children all by herself and the man would leave the home. Um, In the ancient Near East, women were doing everything and everyone was raising everybody's kids because making bread took you know, seven hours and doing laundry took, you know, five hours and all the things that you, that the woman had to do to run the household business to, to, to keep everyone alive. It was in way, way more, more consuming, consuming than, than my, my career, career would be. Mm-hmm. And they, they lived, lived in family, family compounds. compounds. I mean, it was families and neighbors and people watching each other's children. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a lot of women will say like, I'm not comfortable with someone else raising my children in terms of like having any kind of help. And I'm like, well, that, that is all they did. In scripture. Mm. And, and so, so I, I'm, I, still I still have a lot, lot to learn about it. it. Um, yeah. And so, and so I'm very much in the middle, middle of reading about it. it. But I'm trying to reconcile our Western understanding of motherhood and femininity with what I know to be true of scripture. And I, I affirm God's design for gender in scripture. And I believe it's beautiful and meant to set us free. But I think that we take our current context and apply it in ways that diminish and distort that. Hmm. Well, we'll have it back on the pod when you have a more, uh, you know, hashed (laughs) out theological perspective of it as our, um, a resident theologian. But, um, I wanted to ask you before, as we kind of wrap up here, like, do you, or have you ever considered yourself a leader? Because from, I know, I obviously know you and from, I know with what you do, like, you're a leader in the sense of you might not lead a team, but you're leading women at church. You're also um, financially a leader. And if you look at the marketplace, like there, I mean, the percentage of people who make what well, any of us make in America is very small. And then if you're at the top half of that, you're, you know, making more than most of the world. So you are a financial leader. Yeah. I'm curious if you've ever thought of yourself as a leader. No. 
why is that? You're a podcast leader. I mean, you've led all these people who've listened to you. Like, I just don't. I just don't think that way. Okay. Um, and I think personality types are just so much, right? right. And mm-hmm. so I think it, it could just, just really be personality. Is a lot of you repel against that label. Like I, it. It's not that I. It's not even like oh, I'm outwardly denying that I think I'm a leader, but like secretly I know I'm a leader. It's like no, I actually like just don't think that way like we have these corporate like we have these like corporate women's calls where they're talking about like building your brand and like like, like and I'm just like, like what like, like where, where am I I, I, just, I, just, I don't, don't I don't think that way and and certainly I'll meet people where I'm like oh that person is like really a leader I don't even know if I would like think that way about people I, I don't know I think I, I see more like people's good qualities and how they manifest and so and it's maybe just a little more simple in terms of my framework and I've never wanted to be anything more than what I am I don't desire to like manage a team I don't have like those goals and so I just think that was a long answer but no (laughs) I love no I like it. it's honest and I think everybody has a different answer to that so that's why I ask it to every guest because I some people like absolutely I've known I'm a leader since I was 12 and some people are like that word makes you feel uncomfortable or some people are like I don't think I've ever even thought about it you know and so I think I love hearing the different perspectives um okay so if you could go back in time and talk to 17 year old Elizabeth what would you like to tell her (laughs) I mean obviously you'd have some 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 tips but what do you What's maybe like one she thing? Would so, so, she would be so mad if she knew. She's still in there. And she's super mad. Yeah. Um, she'd, she'd be, be so, so mad if she, she met me. me. Um, Why is that? Well, you, you know, know, I, I turned, turned out to be everything she needed. Oh. <laughs> That's interesting. I've never you know, thought I'm, 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 I'm a serious, serious conservative, conservative Christian. I mean, she hated that. Okay. Even at 17? I don't think she. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think, think that, that she, she would have, have listened, listened to me. To me. <laughs> what would I tell her? Repent and follow God. <laughs> like, probably is what I would, the only thing I could tell her. She'd be like, no. And then, then we'd, we'd be here having this conversation. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you would try to tell her, hey, you're going to save yourself some heartache if you don't do all this stupid stuff. Yeah, but, but like. Isn't that the beauty of life? Then maybe you wouldn't have ended up here, though. You know? I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. anything. I wouldn't change anything. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't want to have known. known. I love, I love that, that so much of this is just all surprise. Hmm. Okay. Fun question. So, like, it's your dream yes. day. You don't have any rules. There's no responsibilities, no limitations. What are you doing on your dream day? Sleeping. Okay. Because you're not no, sleeping lately. <laughs> well, well, no, just because, like, I just love a, a day where it's, like, there's no limit to the sleep. I just think that's like very fun so um th- there's gonna be like a whole sleep section until like one okay PM. sleep section I like um, that um and then I'm and then I'm it's, it's just the section just for sleep section and then I'm gonna be in my I'm gonna be in my bathroom drinking coffee and like <laughs> probably watching like, probably watching for another like for couple another, hours like, couple hours and then I'll like venture into the world I'd like to go out to dinner I'd like to have like a whole chips and salsa like situation and then I would like to see a movie. Okay. Uh, like, like a late, late movie. Like, like a 9 p.m. movie. Oh, okay. And, and then, then 
and that's that's my favorite kind of thing. I think you've just revealed your introvert card for everyone listening. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right. Well, I mean, well, I, mean, I wouldn't have, have, have dinner with someone. With someone. Probably, probably my husband, my husband though, because I like, him, I like the him the best. Um, but I need to be alone until that point, like, or just with him. It's funny to me because I'm like, you don't come across as introverted, and you're like a very, like extroverted bubbly person seemingly like but then like I know you very much recharge by yourself and <laughs> that's a lie I'm a I'm a social introvert who loves people I genuinely love people yeah but for a few hours and then I'm like okay bye <laughs> I'm bye. done now well thank you for coming on the show I really appreciate it you're the only guest I've had who's a seasoned podcaster and it shows and I'd love to have you back to talk about singleness and maybe more of this motherhood stuff as you're working through it but um I really appreciate it how can people find you on the internet if they want to keep up with your journey well you, you can, can keep, keep up, up with me it's <laughs> not curated but um <laughs> you can you find, find me on Instagram, Instagram. okay um and, and you, you can, can find, find me on, on Facebook, Facebook. Okay. I don't tweet. Okay, and I my will. My Instagram handle is is tough, uh, because so you'll have to just write that down. I'll put that in. I'll put it in the notes. Just put it in the notes. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. It was so fun chatting to you. We'll see you next time. Bye. I hope you liked that episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, really anyone. You never know who may need the encouragement. Also, if you would rate, review, and subscribe, that goes a long way to helping this leadership community grow and reach more women. To learn more about me or to find out about my coaching programs, please check out my website, IamSarahFernandez.com. And remember, I'm Sarah with no H. Until next time.